He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Allahu akbar, Allahu akbar. Allahu akbar, Allahu akbar. Well, that was a call to prayer, or Adan, broadcast by several radio stations last Wednesday to mark the fourth anniversary of the March 15, 2019 terrorist attack on the Al Noor Mosque and the Linwood Mosque in Christchurch, in which 51 people lost their lives. Now this year the anniversary was pretty low-key with few public events and the government backing no official commemoration other than inviting radio stations to play the Adan on the day amid reports that this was the way the families of some of the victims and survivors had wanted it. But there was also concern from the Muslim community about a lack of interest in marking the anniversary and as Hayden Donnell now reports, that also extended to the news media. Front of me people is dying everywhere. What I'm here, people, is just they are on the, this last moment and they pray. And I did pray lots too. Please, Allah, forgive me. That's Tamil Atatuju, who was shot nine times in the March 15 terror attack. He was speaking to Stuff for the series Nine Bullets, released on the first anniversary of the 2019 shootings at the El Noor and Linwood Mosques in Christchurch. Nine Bullets was one of many special features and documentaries produced by our media to mark March 15 in 2020. TV1 aired We Are One, a documentary following six of the victims' families through their first year after the attacks. The Herald ran The Ripple Effect, a five-part digital series by journalist Kurt Beyer. This year, the anniversary of March 15 was a much more muted affair in our media. There was little new coverage from our biggest online news sites, Stuff in the Herald. They both republished stories they'd done back in 2020. The Herald's print edition didn't carry a story to mark the anniversary, though it printed a cartoon by Rod Emerson which was devoted to remembering our 51 brothers and sisters. Meanwhile, March 15 wasn't mentioned anywhere on the front page of Christchurch's daily paper The Press, though it did find space to point to a story from its life section about cooking with garlic. The only stories the paper did carry on the terrorist attack that killed 51 people in its city were on pages 5 and 8. The government echoed the media's understated response to the worst terrorist attack on New Zealand's soil. Prime Minister Chris Hipkins sent a personal message to the victims and their families, but he didn't mark the day with an official event or statement. A spokesperson for Hipkins said his response was tailored to respect the wishes of victims' families who'd told the government they wanted to commemorate the day privately. It's possible several media outlets' coverage, or lack thereof, was informed by those same concerns. But it's also clear survivors and family members wanted more national attention on the anniversary. Stuff published a story by Glenn McConnell late on March 15, focusing on a call to create a nationwide commemoration of March 15 from three widows of men killed in the attack. The widows were concerned it took just a year for New Zealand to, in their words, forget the horror of 2019. One news reporter, Thomas Mead, who covered the shootings on the day they took place and in the years following, quoted members of victims' families who'd expressed similar sentiments. Some are telling us that they are now starting to feel forgotten 
and that that initial outpouring of love and support they felt after the attacks is starting to wane with the passing of time. On TVNZ's Breakfast, the Fulbright scholar Guled Meyer echoed that, saying Muslim people might not have a single unified opinion on how to mark the anniversary, but nobody wants it to be forgotten. Even though there are different approaches or ways that we see this within the Muslim community, how that could be achieved, one thing is clear, we don't want the events of March 15th to ever be forgotten. Mm. No one is saying that this should not be recognized as a national day of significance in our cultural calendar of events. Um, you know, the last thing that we want is to be able to move on and just forget. We already feel as though we have been forgotten about. And this is Aya Al-Umari, who lost her brother Hussein in the attack, also talking on TVNZ's Breakfast about how she wants the government and the media to treat the anniversary. The general consensus is just because we don't want a government-led annual event doesn't mean the conversation shouldn't happen. Um, and so there needs to be a discussion that is sort of like a look back on the last year. What, has, what have we achieved? What have we changed? What can we do to mitigate such thing from happening again in the future? That's, that's what's important to me. Even if the media didn't want to focus directly on the victims, other story angles relating to the attack were on offer. One of those, the ongoing and rising amounts of online hate still directed at Muslims, was covered by Bridie Witten at Stuff. Other potential topics were less canvassed. For instance, many of the people who lost loved ones on March 15 or even witnessed the attack still aren't able to get counselling sessions funded by ACC. The Department of the Prime Minister and Cabinet is meant to provide six monthly updates on its progress implementing the recommendations of a Royal Commission of Inquiry into the March 15 attacks. Its last report was issued in July 2022 and its latest one is overdue. Atachuju, who was speaking at the top of this segment, delivered a talk on March 15 at the site of the World Peace Bell in Christchurch. So far it hasn't been covered. Mavash Ikram has worked as a producer for NewsHub and now RNZ's first up. She spoke to me about how the media could work better to cover the continuing fallout from March 15 and to make sure its victims don't feel forgotten. Kia ora Mavash and welcome to Media Watch. Kia ora, assalamu alaikum. What did you think of the way the media and New Zealand as a whole marked the anniversary of March 15 this year? What coverage? I guess that's the question. Was there enough attention on it? I am from the community, but I'm also a journalist. So the coverage was nowhere near enough. So I do wonder what the news meetings would have been like. Maybe we need to move away from these 12-month commemorations and have it as part of the news cycle. Because that is what I've heard from some journalists. It came through from Labour ministers. They said, oh, well, it's not really Muslim tikanga to have these yearly commemorations. Chris Hipkins said he was respecting the wishes of the victims' families who wanted to commemorate privately. Is that a fair interpretation from these journalists and these politicians? So it is not my job to decide what the government does. It is my job as a journalist to ask why the government didn't do certain things. So I, that is where I think the media missed it. As a Muslim, I can tell you we don't mark tragedies because we don't want to dwell on them and we don't want to re-traumatise ourselves. But as the media, not every story has to be about the victims. I want to know, as the general public, how safe 
is a mosque now? How safe is a temple? How safe is a synagogue? How safe is a church? How safe is a marae? How safe is any place of worship? I want to know how far we've moved on the Christchurch call. I want to know why the Department of Internal Affairs released its transparency report on the 16th of March, and that is a damning report into online hate. I have spoken to a 13-year-old who told me in tears that she's sick of being called a terrorist every day. This is a conversation I had three weeks ago. It seems like there's some confusion in the media between maybe what is a cultural practice of not commemorating anniversaries per se and not wanting attention brought to this act and this uh, attack, this the horrors of it and the ongoing uh, impacts of it. And I agree. Look, it's important sometimes to go back to the victims when they have, you know, they have become empowered because that does make them look stronger. What have you done? Have you got a degree? And um, Are you driving now? All that sort of stuff. You can go back to, and ask them that. But the harder angle is, are we asking enough questions of the government? One of the questions that we need to ask is, have journalists got enough of a relationship with the Muslim community? And that is not their job. That is not the community's job. That is our job to build those bridges. And if those people have gone quiet on us, then what have we done? Did we burn them? It was a big moment of self-reflection after March 15 for the media and I think collectively we said we have not established these connections with the Muslim community. There was a, back then there was a determination that we would address that. Do you think that we have? Look, as a Muslim journalist, I am often called upon to, on March 15th, to do stuff and I happily do it. But I found, I reckon this is something that journalists all need to share. I'm sorry, and no, you have not maintained those relationships. What happened? Where are those people that that you talked to? Where is the family of the little Somali boy? That boy would have been seven years old today. He would have been at school. You talked so much, tears and everything, and why aren't we talking to that boy's family now? Why is it that they talked to us then but not now? Look, we've had a tough time after 2019. We've had COVID. And then we had, um, you know, the floods. I get that. And we are stretched to the max in our newsrooms. I get that totally. But that is no excuse. Let's, let's unpack this. So the March 15th and the way it's been covered is not very different from how we remember the Christchurch earthquake, how we remember Pike River, how we remember... Um, I guess the White Island tragedy, the Lynn Mall attacks. The difference, I guess, between some of the other tragedies, yeah. like the Christchurch earthquake or yeah. White Island or something, is, is there's very little that the media can do to prevent yeah. another one of those. Yes. And the media does have a role in addressing prejudice, xenophobia that Muslims experience. And does that create more of an imperative to keep the heat on this issue? I would disagree that the media has a role in preventing an attack. The media definitely has a role in questioning whether we've done enough to prevent another attack. Yes, we cannot let it fade. And the Muslim angle is not the only angle. The same thinking and ideology that went into that massacre 
those people had the same kind of hatred, hatred for Māori, the same kind of hatred for other people of colour, the same kind of hatred for Jews. In the aftermath of March 15, there was a collective uh, sense that we had underestimated the danger posed by these online places where people are radicalised online. Those same issues, our media coverage of them, we don't seem as concerned as we were back then. Have we kind of let that go off the boil? Absolutely. Let's look at the Lynn Mall attack and the guy who was behind it. He was also radicalised online. Same thing with the Christchurch terrorist. So all of a sudden, because we've had these two big events, that hatred has not gone away. And while online is a is sort of this mass platform where we think people are going and and and, and you know having these conversations or getting radicalised, the anti-Muslim hate speech, anti-Brown rhetoric is on our streets. I wear the headscarf. Someone told me I was a foreign bitch. Someone told me I couldn't... Uh, I, maybe if I took that thing off my head, I'd see better. So, and all the... Well, the, when, when the person told me to take my headscarf off, I had my toddler in my car. In 2021, Huda al-Jama in um, Otago Girls High School, she had her hijab pulled off. So it's not just online. The Muslim community, especially Muslim women, had been warning that there's going to be something. There's going to be something. Look, it's happening. It's happening. And it was a long time coming when March 15th happened. There is nothing I have as an assurance as a Muslim that another attack is not going to happen. Notwithstanding any issues that they may have about no. different practices when it comes to commemoration, what should the media have done better as a whole? First of all, yeah, one or two victim stories are great in terms of how they've moved on. I think it's time that our national correspondents and political correspondents stand up and they ask, what are we doing to address the hate that is on our streets and that's on our online platforms? Um, and can March 15 be a focal point for that kind of coverage? Absolutely. I mean, because that's when a huge tragedy happened. And that can be sort of, as we call it in the media, a peg. So let's get in there. Maybe a question we can ask is, what are we teaching our children about this? How will this be covered in the New Zealand histories curriculum? Just because the families don't mark it doesn't mean it didn't happen. And mind you, they do mark it. They just mark it in private. They don't want you to forget about it. Forgetting means we didn't learn any lessons. What white supremacist organizations are we monitoring now? Or are we saying there are none? I'm asking the media to build relationships with the Muslim community so you've got stories all year round. If we do not build bridges now, we are going to create distrust in various communities. And we cannot afford to have distrust of the media within our ethnic communities. That was Mavash Ikram, producer on RNZ's early morning show First Up and formerly a producer at News Hub for the project on TV Channel 3. And there she was talking to Media Watch's Hayden Donnell.